Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia. We are the millennial movie movement, and I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller, back at it with more film content just for you and your friends and your family and essentially anybody who wants to listen, right? I mean, we're having a great time here, and what better way to keep the fun going than to show a little hometown pride, in my case, anyway. Uh, If you're new to the show, hi, first and foremost. Um, But you should know I am based in New Jersey, South Jersey to be specific. It's a whole thing, North and South and Central Jersey, if you believe Central Jersey exists. Um, But it's a running joke. I am in South Jersey where I produce the show. And so when I had the opportunity to interview somebody from the movie Garden State, written and directed by Zach Braff, um, I kind of jumped at the chance uh, because one, I love that film. And two... I live in the Garden State, so of course I had to have this interview. I had the incredible opportunity to sit down and chat with Armando Riesco uh, about his time working on the film The Garden State and also kind of reflecting on the movie itself, on how it stands the test of time, on, you know, the storytelling aspects, the cinematography, you know, everything that we do on this show. And if you are unfamiliar with the name, uh, Armando Riesco, of course, plays Jesse in the film Garden State. You may also recognize him from The Chai, where he played Detective Armando Cruz. Um, Both fantastic roles and honestly, such a fantastic person. So, I will stop talking uh, because I really want to get into this episode. It was so much fun and honestly, such a great guy. So without further ado, my interview with Armando Riesco about his favorite film, Garden State. Enjoy. Scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Hey there, Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. And I'm really excited about this one because not only does it involve one of my favorite directors out there, we are talking about an amazing movie that takes place in my home state with someone who is actually there in the movie, uh, none other than the amazing Armando Riesco. Hi, how are you? Hello there, Becky. How you doing? I'm doing very well. And so, I mean, how how is life treating you? You know, uh, <laughs> there's a pandemic going on. Yes, um, <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going relatively well given the given the circumstances. Mm. Uh, you know, there's there's enough work. And there's uh, enough health going around uh, in in my circles, so so we're I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty happy. Fantastic. When you're in New York, correct? I I am in Jackson Heights, Queens, which ah. is where 
initially, when the pandemic hit, it was the epicenter of the epicenter. I'm three blocks from Ooh. the Elmhurst Hospital. So it was very uh, scary for a minute there, but we got through it. Yeah. So things have, I mean, obviously they're not normal, but have things calmed down a little bit? Definitely. I think in Jackson Heights, what happened is in March, by May, I believe 70% of the neighborhood had already had COVID. Oh, geez. So uh, unfortunately, a lot of people, uh, you know, passed away and, and there were a lot of horror stories in terms of that. But what happened is it went through the community. It was so widespread that eventually it really kind of disappeared. Uh, and now the vaccination rate is, I think, maybe the highest in New York City in this neighborhood, probably wow. because everybody got so freaked out. From probably. first. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and so for the listeners out there who maybe don't quite recognize the name or they're trying to put a face to it, tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, the movie that we're talking about today involves you. Um, but, you know, what else are you doing right now? And, you know, all all that good stuff. <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, so I've been an actor for 20 years or so. Mm hmm. I'm one of those guys that is, uh, I guess you could say, a working actor. Mm -hmm. um, I got to New York after spending some time in Chicago, which is where I studied at Northwestern, actually, uh, oh. same school as Zach Braff. Um, I didn't know him at Northwestern, but that ended up, you know, working in in my favor. Yeah, <laughs> with, with auditioning and stuff. Um. And I came to New York and I started relatively quickly to do uh, some plays and movies. And I've been in, I've been really lucky. You know, I, I feel like uh, I've, I've been in over a dozen movies. I've been on a bunch of TV shows and I do a lot of voice work, which mm. is kind of an odd thing that I fell into. <laughs> and then uh, lately, I've been starting to dip my toes into the writer, uh, producer world. So uh, I made a feature film a couple of years ago that's currently on HBO, uh, on HBO Max, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and um, and yeah, so I'm I'm you know I'm here. I'm kicking. I'm I'm still I'm I'm doing the thing. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I was going to say, you've you've had a really a pretty amazing career, I'd say. You know, I saw some of your IMD credits. You've got a National Treasure movie in there. You've got, and obviously, of course, the movie we're talking about today, which is Garden State. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, yeah. amazing. I mean, congratulations, first and foremost. Thank you. <laughs> of course. And thank you so much for coming on to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And so my first question, which is usually the question I ask, is, you know, why why this movie? Why Garden State to talk about? Well, you know, when you're, I don't know if it's your boss or your... Oh, Robert, <laughs> yeah. Robert? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when he asked me about doing it, he he was like, it would be nice if it's something that that there's like some synergy so we could do something, you know, like, yeah. oh, the guy's actually in the movie. That's why I picked the Garden State. I figured ah. that you would want to know, you know, if you wanted something that I'm in, 
And I don't know, I felt like maybe because you're a millennial, right? I am indeed. What yes, gave it away? And, and, and I am not, you know, I am <laughs> I'm squarely a Gen Xer. Yes. But I know that the movie certainly had more of an impact on the millennial set, mm. it feels like. Because it was a movie really that I think struck a nerve with teenagers uh, at the time. Yes. I think. Yes. <laughs> Certainly, it's the, the people that have come up to me to talk about the movie are millennials, generally speaking. Mm. Uh, that's so right. that's why I picked it. I mean, I, I we could have talked about World Trade Center or something. That would have been a really rough <laughs> yeah. podcast, you know? It would have been heavy. Uh, so so <laughs> let's keep it light. Let's uh, and, and do a little bit of Garden State. It's, it's strange that it's become a weird kind of cultural phenomenon, right? I mean, yeah. it's like... Uh, it 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 was very well received, and then there was a backlash, and then it came. You know, it's it's got a whole story to it critically as well. So it's an interesting little film. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, as somebody who lives in the Garden State, it's always fun when things either take place in New Jersey or uh, or New Jersey is involved in some okay. way. So so that's always fun for me. Good. Um. And as a millennial watching it this time with like a critical eye, I'm I'm seeing those same things of like, yeah, this impacts me. <laughs> this impacts me way harder than I remembered it the first time having that effect. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, well, was, that's interesting. That's very interesting. interesting. And so generally speaking, I think that the experience is, you know, that that people who see it when they're teens, you know, loved it. Mm. And then I think like a lot of times they, they come back and they see it at 32 and they're like, what is this? Like, I, <laughs> how, why was, why did I care? Right. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, you know, I hadn't seen it in 20 years. I thought it was quite good. I, I saw it this weekend and, yeah. and I sat through it and, you know, I could see the holes and, but I could also see the really beautifully crafted shots and some really clever dialogue and some really good actors. And, you know, I, th- I think it holds up relatively well. I Yeah, I agree. And I mean, so real quick before we like really dive into that, because those are all things all right. that I want to talk about. What would you say for those who haven't seen the movie, who they di- apparently didn't do their homework before coming here? What would you say is kind of the shortest synopsis that you could give about Garden State? Um, Garden State is a story of a guy, Andrew Largeman, mm-hmm. played by Zach Braff, who also directed and wrote and produced and everything. <laughs> uh, and he is sort of a down on his luck actor in LA who comes back home to New Jersey uh, after spending, I think it's he says nine years in LA, sort of struggling to get acting jobs, and he's had very little success. And he gets a call at the beginning of the movie uh, from his dad, says your mom died, and you have to come back. And so he he comes back. So it's the story. It's sort of a homecoming uh, of sorts for for him, but it's also him dealing with. You know, what What you start realizing as the movie goes on is that he has been on a lot of, like, psychiatric drugs mm. that his father has prescribed to him his whole life. So, and he's sort of coming off them. He's decided to go cold turkey. Yeah. And uh, 
and see what happens. And in the process, he he becomes more alive and more interested in the world and more and, and feels more a part of the world. And, and, and I think that's what the movie's about. Is that a fair Yeah, I'd say assessment? so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I mean, I got to know, what was it like? Because you play Jesse in the movie, which is a, such a fun, funny character. What was that experience like? You know, because this was back in 2004. God, yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. I know, tell um, me about <laughs> It is a lifetime ago. Um, it was fun. It was, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I I auditioned for the movie like everybody else auditioned, you know, just on tape and the casting director. And then I, eventually I made it to see Zach and we hit it off. And, and I really didn't, I couldn't really figure the script out. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know if it was supposed to be funny or uh-huh. sad or what, you know, it was just, it was a very obtuse script to me. I didn't, Mm. I'm not a very good script reader. (laughs) So I couldn't quite figure out the tone. And it is a really kind of, nowadays that tone has been done a million times, but at that point, I think it was, uh, that was kind of what was cool about the movie is that it, it, it sort of, it had this hipster thing that wasn't, it hadn't really been done that much. And, um, so I didn't know it was supposed to be a comedy. I just kind of came in and played it as, straight as I could. And, uh, and he thought that that was funny. (laughs) And I, uh, it's interesting because I also have nothing to do with New Jersey. Right. You know, I, um, I am a, you know, I'm a Puerto Rican guy who, who grew up in Puerto Rico, not New York. So my, my high school, my childhood experience is wildly different from, from what these guys, uh, are going through. But uh, it was really cool to sort of jump in that world and have him allow me to to be part of the movie because I was definitely, uh, you know, it wasn't like about something that I know a lot about, but it was cool to to be able to do it. Well, that's awesome. Well, and and you kind of get a little taste of, you know, maybe what that scene was about since you didn't have necessarily that experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. You're Which incredible. is what I love about acting, you know, right. is, that, is is when you when you're allowed to do stuff like that because nowadays, especially, it's it's becoming harder and harder. You know, it's like if you're not a, a white, a redheaded Puerto Rican man, <laughs> you know, you can't audition for that. It's like, wait a second, but I can I can act like a soldier. I can act like a lawyer. Right. You know, it's getting to the point where it's like everybody has to be. It's like, well, no, we're looking for a lawyer. Oh. Like, well, a lawyer is going to be doing law. He's not going right. to be acting in a movie. <laughs> um, but anyway, I digress. Yes. Well, I mean, you're great in the movie, and I think you did a phenomenal job. And thank you. So, I mean. First, first and foremost, that scene with the bow and arrow when you shoot shoot a flaming bow and arrow into the sky, and it's like, hope it doesn't hit you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, was that- I didn't get it. I, <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I was like, what do you want me to do here? You, you just you just want me to shoot it up? And, okay, so I so that's what I did, and they it was awesome. They had. I got to practice a bunch on that uh-huh. day. I remember, 
Um, and I was like relatively good yeah. at bow and arrow. So I was, I started hitting the target sort of repeatedly. And then eventually they were like, okay, we're ready to shoot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember it was this huge house in Orange, in East Orange, maybe? Uh, I think, well, I know Zach Braff is from South South Orange, Orange right? Yes. Yeah. So it was in one of the oranges. Yes. And uh, it was an enormous house. And the back was the pool that they used for the pool oh, scene later on. Right. Yes. Uh, but then the interiors of the house were somewhere else. Hmm. I remember. It wasn't that house we used. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's such an interesting character just to start you know, with that aspect of the film, it's such an interesting character in that it's somebody who is Zach Braff's age, who is not struggling, but is in fact doing nothing, but like living his life to the best of his abilities. He's just having like a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, he's not, I mean, he says it right off the bat. He's he says, "Yeah, I'm doing nothing, and and I'm not really sure what I'm doing." Right? Mm. It's like he's he's not he's made all this money, and he thought that that would be the thing that fills the hole, yeah, in his life, and it didn't. It, it seems like it didn't, right? Right. Um, and it seems like every character is in that predicament. Like yeah. at least every character, sort of in his age group, mm-hmm. they're all kind of. Uh, they're all kind of going through the motions and and medicating themselves uh, in different ways, right? I mean, yeah. these guys are doing ecstasy and and coke and smoking weed, and, mm-hmm. and whereas Braff is uh, his character is is on Prozac and on you know whatever else he's on, yeah, uh, lithium and, and and all kinds of stuff. So so yeah, it seems like every character uh, that struck me this time around when I was watching it. Uh, even the cop at the very beginning, there's that one scene, and yeah, and the cop is like, <laughs> "Hey, how did I how did I do?" Put your hands on your head, please. What? I said, put your motherfucking hands on your head, please. Eighty-two and a twenty-five. What are you gonna tell me? You're late, or you're just tired? I was. Shut the fuck up. Largeman? Kenny? Holy shit! Oh man, how you doing? I'm I'm great. Your mom just died. I know. I mean that's why you're home. Yeah, yep. You're a cop, Kenny? Yeah, I know. I know. Why? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything better to do. Right. <laughs> and the guy's a fan. He's like, what? I so, so it's like they're all kind of like trying on this thing called being an adult, which yeah. I that that I could certainly relate to. I, I will say that. I mean, yeah, it's rough. It's Raise rough your there. hand if you've also pretended to be an adult. It, yeah, it's rough out there when you when you get out of college, you know. Oh, absolutely. So, and that's when he wrote it. I, I believe that Zach Braff wrote the film when he was struggling. I, I don't think he wrote it. Uh, after Scrubs or anything like that. Yeah, I think he's, he's talked about it. Yeah, I think that's uh, correct. I think it was um, while he was in college, and then he just kind of like held on to it until like the right moment. It seems yeah. like <laughs> good for him. 
yeah, smart right. guy. Tell me about it. <laughs> but you're so right. There is this kind of theme of like trying to fill in the what's next. And I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but even at the end of the movie, the last line is like, what do we do now? And I think that's yeah. kind of the thought in this whole movie of like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. And then the song underneath is saying, let go, let yes. go. Right? <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. I, I actually have something, a Braff wrote, he said, the film is, the film is partly autobiographical, depicting Braff's own emotions while he was writing the screenplay. He described... Quote, when I wrote Garden State, I was completely depressed, <laughs> waiting tables, lonesome as I've ever been in my life. The script was a way for me to articulate what I was feeling, alone, isolated, a dime a dozen, and homesick for a place that didn't even exist. Mm. And then, uh, so that's another huge theme in the film, right? It's like, what is home? And they yeah. talk about it quite a bit. Yeah. Like what, they even try to define it at one point, I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, that whole scene in the pool where he's saying, you know, oh, uh, my thought of home is like my parents' house, but now I don't live there anymore. So then what is home when your home isn't home anymore? And it's like the train of thought sounds crazy, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I know I got it. It's very relatable. I think in terms of that, those growing pains you have like right after college, trying to figure out what am I doing in the, in the real world now? For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So good. Do you have, Excuse me. Mm. Do you have, and this might be a difficult question, but do you have like a favorite part or moment in this film? Huh. Uh, that's a great, excellent question. I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, <laughs> you know, th- there are very, I, I love laughing. And, and I, I really honestly think there's some laugh out loud moments in this movie that are just like so bizarre. Oh, yeah. And they come out of nowhere. Um, I loved, and I remember when I saw it the first time, I loved when you're trying to figure out what the tone of the movie is. You come back and he, and, and he comes back to Jersey and there's a funeral and it's raining outside and they're all there dressed in black. And this woman starts singing, (laughs) uh, once, twice, three times a lady or something. And that woman kills me every time. I I just I laugh out. I laughed out loud in the theater, um, and I laughed out loud when I saw it this time. Just just something so strange, yes, and funny about it. And and that's when the movie works. I think that's when it works. It's when it rides that line of, man, is this a tragedy or a comedy or what is this? right? Um, so yeah, moments like that. Yeah. No, I agree. And I mean, I was watching it today and I was like, that's so Jersey. The way she sings that song is so Jersey. It hurts. (laughs) It hurts how Jersey it is. And then, well, and then on top of it, there's all these like little almost throwaway things throughout the film. Like she's singing this ridiculous song at a funeral and then he goes to see the neurologist and he has all these awards and then one on the ceiling. on the yes. wall yes. it's so clever that guy's and so good it's so funny that actor's fantastic oh it's so funny yeah 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 there's there's <laughs> a, there's several moments like that yeah that i mean i th- i think that they hold up you know i think oh, they're for pretty sure. funny for sure well and then then 
I was just thinking about this, the um, the scene in the Vietnamese restaurant. It's like his first table. And she's like, yeah, the Red Bull, you know, whatever it is and and bread. And he's like, we don't we don't have bread. She's like, what do you mean you don't have bread? And I was just cracking up because yeah. like you don't quite know what the tone is because he's got this terrible news. And you're like, should yeah. I be laughing? I don't and know. It's, you know, that's it's really hard to make a movie like that, you know, yeah. where, where it's not just a comedy or it's not just a drama. I mean, even when you, when you start out as a filmmaker, um, not that I have a ton of experience, but I've made two shorts in a, and one feature. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I tried to do in my first short was that was like kind of strike a balance between comedy and, and drama. And I remember a lot of people t- advising me against it, you know, really? being like, look, you should, Really stick to one thing, Mm. you know, uh, and I can see why, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with them Mm -hmm. because I I was like, no, man, I'm just trying to find my own voice. That's the only reason I'm doing this. Uh, But I do see their point. Right. in, in, In that it's very difficult to, to really find that sweet spot between tragedy and comedy I, th- I feel like um my favorite movies do but they're very hard to find oh yeah for sure yeah. well and you always especially i feel like nowadays when they make those like a lot of the dramas have that kind of ambiguous feel to them i feel like a lot of the indie dramas are doing that now which you know is fine like that's the choice that was made but it's a you're right it's a very fine line between like a dark comedy and a like a drama comedy, if that makes sense. Like that that fine walking line between those two things where it's not overwhelmingly one or the other is yeah. very difficult. I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. I will say among those little moments, like the diploma on the wall or the faucets all going as he's walking yes. by them. Like it's, it's, yeah. Some of it is pretty exquisitely like, it's also like some of the cinematography is also quite good. And I, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting because just like these moments that we're talking about, I think the one thing you could maybe knock the movie on is that it's a little uneven, that it doesn't quite hold that level of, you know, of excellence throughout. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a first time. You also have to remember this guy is 29 years old. He's making his first movie. Mm-hmm. He's acting and directing and producing and doing, you know, crafty at the same time. And my hats go, you know, my hat goes off to him. Like it's, I, I think just, just to even get certain great moments is, is, uh, you know, an accomplishment. And, um, and yeah, though you know, there are certain shots, like you said, like that that faucet thing that <laughs> they're really beautifully planned. Yeah, you know? but I think it's really hard, so especially when you're making something that's low budget. And and at that point, that movie was made for about two and a half million bucks. Yes, which mm-hmm. to me, my God, if I could get two million dollars <laughs> to make a movie, I'd be. I, we we made a feature for one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Very nice. Um, <laughs> But, but it's, it's still not that much money. 
Right. It's hard, especially when you're thinking about, you know, the big, the, you know, Netflix probably spent how much on on the most recent movie that they just put yeah. out. Like, yeah. I don't even want to imagine how much money. Yeah. A buddy of mine is doing a show on, on Amazon. They get $12 million an episode. <laughs> you know, oh my it's gosh. insane. It's insane. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, I, I heard, got $24 million for his yeah. Or that thing cost $24 million. It was, it was a guy talking on the stage. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess he that. probably made a big chunk of that, but still. Still. I mean, to think in terms of, you know, that nowadays, this movie was made for $2.5 million. And yeah. that is it. When yeah. you think of the whole thing on a whole, it's absolutely insane. And it's, it's really like you said, it's really quite beautiful for the fact that yeah. it was I low mean, budget. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the cinematographer, I think his name is Lawrence Cher, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. And yeah, I, th- I think like every once in a while, he, uh, there, there were certain shots that like you could tell were just beautifully planned and mm-hmm. framed and, and just like really cool to watch, especially in a, on a big screen. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. For sure. I felt scopophilia watching them. Is that a thing? (laughs) Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Scopophilia is uh, deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at things. So, Well, there you go. You got it. I felt scopophilia (laughs) several times. Well, and so one of the things I wrote was, um, like one of the first things I wrote, because you have the plane scene is the first thing that comes onto the screen where he's just imagining that like he's in a plane that's going down. And I don't know if that's just like to say this is his frame of mind or this is him just like thinking of something as like a way to feel something or yeah, it seems like slightly out of place, but you also kind of get it. (laughs) Okay. Well, here's, here's, and and I wish I could speak better on this, Becky. I, I wish I had like the, the sort of the super scoop to mm, give you. Mm-hmm. But here's what I do remember. Yeah, I'm ready. The ending changed completely. Really? It was rewritten once it was cut, and then they went in and reshot the ending. So Ow. I think, and you'd have to talk to Zach Braff about this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the ending was supposed to be quite um, darker. Oh, okay. And at some point in the process, in the editing process, they decided, oh no, like this, this is really working more as a feel good comedy type, you know, um, let, let's go with the positive vibes. Mm. Um, because, and, and I think it had something to do with the father character, which okay. was a much larger character when I read the script. Oh, Okay. So the Ian Holm character was a fan, obviously a phenomenal actor. Obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a much bigger role in the movie. Hmm. And I think the ending had a lot to do with him. I, I don't want to try and remember things and make them up and tell you what it was because <laughs> I don't remember. It right. was 20 years ago. Right. But I, but I do remember that. And I remember, oh, we're changing the ending. And in fact, there's just like one shot of me uh, floating in a pool yeah. At the, at the end of the movie. And I had to go to LA to, 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 and stay with Zach Braff <laughs> in his house <laughs> Just so that they that. could get a shot of me floating in his pool. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they rewrote that whole thing. And I think they shot that, you know, that whole airport sequence, which which also, I guess you could, for, for my taste anyway, I, I'm not a big fan of that scene mm. in the end. But, but yeah, you, I, I, I don't think it's what was originally written mm. is all I, I'm 99% sure about. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. That's my inside baseball. Love that. State. Well, always very interesting to hear those kinds of tidbits. And now, and now I'm even more curious, what is it about? Cause I have my own thoughts about the airport scene, but I'm curious mm-hmm. as to why it's, it's not up there for you what what's what's your deal with it what's up <laughs> well no i that's what i'm saying is, is i guess the, the reason i bring up that ending is that i feel like that beginning would have made more sense with a darker ending and i think that they were supposed that since there was supposed to be a darker ending they were mm. supposed to be kind of like um what do you call those like uh the things that hold books i'm having a bilingual oh, book moment ends? Right now. bookends <laughs> bookends yeah, yeah. So, so there, there were these two sort of heavy things mm. and one of them got taken out. So, so now all of a sudden you have this scene in the beginning that feels maybe a little out of place or something mm. because there's nothing to counterweight it at the end of the movie. Um, again, I could be making all of this up. <laughs> I don't think I am. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but I think it was supposed to be way darker. Okay. I think there was something about the father, uh, you know, that whole thing never quite resolved in the movie of like, wait, the, the, so the father was giving him drugs and then the mother died under these kind of mysterious circumstances. Right. Like, how did she drown in the bathtub? What, you know, how did, so that was dealt with in originally. Okay. And, and eventually they were like, no, nah, man, he he fell in love with this quirky girl <laughs> and, and we have a great soundtrack. Like, let, we got to stick right. with that. And, and, and they certainly, I think financially, they probably made the right choice. I mean, the movie ended up being, yeah. you know, quite the hit. Yeah. Well, and I I feel a little similarly about the airport scene, not even in that it, you know, some of the things left are left unsaid, but I... I, for some reason, remembered the ending of this movie completely differently because it's been years since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And I got to the end and he's like, yeah, I have to, you know, I have to figure my stuff out. And then, cause I don't want to mess up whatever this is. And I was like, wow, what a healthy decision to be like, let me go clean up my life and then I'll come back and we can, you know, we'll reconnect once I feel better about life. And then he doesn't get on the plane. And I was like, What? <laughs> Like, yeah, you he originally got on the plane. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish that he had, although now that... Well, there you go. I think Zach Braff <laughs> probably would agree with you. Yeah. And Get him on the phone. And then he ends up catching Let's all this him. flack, you know, <laughs> because the studio made him do something, you know what I mean? Right. So, so anyway. Yeah, well, uh, and I mean, I as, you know, I've studied a lot of film now and... uh. Are you aware of like the manic pixie dream girl aspect of things? I I have I just for this interview, <laughs> I did a little bit of research into well what happened with that movie because I'll be honest with you, I finished shooting the movie, I went to the premiere, this and that, mm-hmm. and then life kept going. I didn't I didn't really follow. I had no idea, um, 
about all this stuff that happened right. uh, on the on the critical end of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. So it was very interesting for me to to read about it and to then read about this whole Natalie Portman manic pixie. What is it? Manic pixie girl, dream girl. Yeah, manic mm-hmm. pixie dream girl. Yes. Um, tell you, you're going to have to school me on it because you're you're <laughs> the the critic. Challenge accepted. Uh, (laughs) So the idea of like a manic pixie dream girl, for those who don't know, um, is this idea that a character, usually a man, meets a quirky, weird, eclectic, eccentric woman um, who usually is comfortable in her own skin and just doing whatever she wants to do, living her best life. Um, But then she kind of has the responsibility throughout the film of bettering her male counterpoint in some way. And usually it's through a romantic relationship of of by the end, she makes him better. And so then they're better together by the end of it. But the problem there is that it's it's forcing a woman to kind of fix this man's problem, which is a little problematic on its own. And I will say watching the movie again, I was like, okay, I do see why this would be considered in that vein. But I also think on the flip side of that, Natalie Portman has her own kind of issues that she's dealing with as well. And I don't know if it's necessarily that she's making Zach Braff better or if it's his medication wearing off as the movie goes on. You know what I mean? Does that make or sense? It's both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little bit of both, a little of helping each other and then a little bit of prescription detox. <laughs> uh-huh. if, yeah. So yeah, it's Let interesting. I'm really interested in this in this uh, concept. Is um one of my favorite films. Oh my god. <laughs> one of my favorite films. I don't remember the name of it. Um <laughs> that this happens when you're 43 year old dad um <laughs> that irish musical oh once once yes is that a manic pixie dream girl um oh it's been a long time since i've seen that great movie i uh, one of my faves so good um insanely good insanely good um go see it right now <laughs> stop everything we're gonna go uh stream it together it's oh, fine so good anyway <laughs> From what I recall, I'm going to say no, only because she's, if I'm remembering correctly, tell me if I'm wrong, she's in like an abusive household or her husband isn't there or I'm trying to remember the situation that she is in because mm-hmm. I know he is a musician and that's like his whole thing. And then they yeah, write but music she weirdly together. serves that same purpose in the story. Mm. But it's just how she's drawn, I guess, and and how so her having more depth to the character mm. is that what sort of eliminates the manic. I think it's a part of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think like there's a couple examples of manic pixie dream girls, like um, like Zoe Deschanel does a whole bunch of them, like Five Hundred Days of Summer. Where you don't really get to see the depth of like who she is as a person other than that she's quirky. Yeah. And so I think maybe that's partially part of the reason I'd have to do more research to to really tell you. (laughs) I mean, these things aren't like black and white. And I, I do think Natalie Portman is 
an extraordinary actor. You know, that's the other oh thing that, that makes it yes. hard for me to, to knock anything about her <laughs> performance. Not to not to mention she was also insanely nice uh, as yeah. a human being, which was which is always a, a treat. You know, mm. when you get to to work with someone and they're as nice as they are talented. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. I hear I hear what you're saying. I feel like perhaps in other hands, maybe the role w- would have been even more of a yeah. Repeat the phrase, manic pixie dream <laughs> manic girl. Manic pixie dream girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> but there's something about her. I don't. I, I don't. I, I feel like she brings more to the character than was. Than, than what was on the page, you know. Mm. I, I feel like that's one. That's one of the reasons she's a great actress, right? Is is oh, she? Oh, for sure. She takes it to another level. Um, and even there's a moment that I read in the, and what I ended up finding out that on Broad, uh, Broad City, Broad. Oh. There was a show. Yeah. Broad, yeah. Comedy Broad, Central. Broad City. Yeah. Uh-huh. Broad City. I've never yes. seen it. But <laughs> apparently they made fun of Natalie Portman in Garden State. Oh, really? And, and, yeah. And, <laughs> and Natalie Portman was upset about it because she loved the show. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> and there is a sort of cr- a little bit of a cringeworthy moment. Of, you know, that thing of Natalie Portman going, uh, I'm going to do something unique with my life. And, oh, and uh-huh. then she like she does like this weird dance or something. and. And then yeah. Zach tries to do right. one of his own yeah. and fails miserably. I thought that was very good, by the way. Yeah. Um, but that moment gets singled out as kind of like, what a terrible movie. <laughs> you oh, know? No. And, yeah. And um, I don't know. I feel, you know, poor, poor thing. I, I don't see it. I mean, yeah, the moment's not the the best moment in the movie it's not the most finely written hmm. elegant way of of but i do get thematically what they were trying to do with it and it does exist within the context of the movie in which it later on gets repeated by the guy in the quarry yes uh so so it is something that they were setting up mm-hmm. and you know perhaps they could have set it up better we're not gonna make out or anything what? I'm sorry. I just like totally ruined that moment, didn't I? No, no, no. It's just that like we're not gonna make out, okay? Oh, you know, no, I, I hadn't planned on trying. Oh my, I am so lean. That was like really. I'm, I'm sorry. I forget I just said that. I'm that's dumb. And you know what I do when I feel completely unoriginal? Love, 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 I make a noise or I do something that no one has ever done before, and then I can feel unique again, even if it's only for like a second. So no one's ever done that? No, not in the spot, no. You just witnessed a completely original moment in human history. It's refreshing. You should try it. Oh, no, no, thanks. No, come on. No, I, you know what? I think that was good enough for the both of us. Come on. What are you, shy? This is your one opportunity to do something that no one has ever done before and that no one will copy again throughout human existence. And, and if nothing else, you'll be remembered as, as the one guy who ever did this. This one thing. How's that? Oh, I've done that one before. <laughs> but, 
But poor thing ended up getting made fun of on, oh. on Broad City. That sucks. I know. Well, and I mean, People you're right. Suck. There's there's definitely an element of if it had been somebody else, if it had been done in another way, I think it would have been a little more distasteful. Like, because I also like I've seen some of Natalie Portman's like masterclass that she does about like reading your scripts and like preparing. And so she's very like attention to detail in terms of how she's like crafting characters and things. So very cool. I think if it, maybe even if it had been a different actress who wasn't as attentive to that kind of detail, it might've been different, but she does have a human quality about her and she is weird and she is quirky, but she also like lays on some real human things. Like she has seizures and she gave up ice skating because she was having seizures and Mm -hmm. she works in a law office and she has a life and, she never goes to work that we see, but it's yeah, out she, there. Yeah, the, the working in the law office is kind of an interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's. But I forgive it. You know, I, yeah. I, I will forgive Garden State for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say of all the all the scenes to get picked out as like, oh, that's that's the scene that that's the one we don't like. That is not the one I would pick. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I mean. Maybe the one where they're talking about his his role as a mentally challenged or they use the word retarded um, quarterback. It's definitely an early aughts movie. You know a what I bit. mean? It's also like a product of its time. A little and you bit. You can't, you know. It's it's it is what it is. I don't know what to say about it without no, getting absolutely. put in my mouth. Here. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was made back when that was like funny i guess and, right and i guess it's good that we're evolving you know and that we're yeah. moving forward i kind of felt that way about the um you know everyone's talking about this Chappelle show uh mm. thing on netflix and i um i've had all these thoughts about it and i'm like man you know i used to really laugh at dave Chappelle, like all i mean i thought he was the best yeah. back in the day and i still laugh I still laugh. Mm -hmm. And I laughed at his new show. But I didn't laugh at a lot of it. Mm. And and I thought a lot of it was like, for a lot of it, I felt like, oh, he's, it's unfortunate that it feels like he's getting stuck back there. Mm. And I feel like if Zach Braff were to make a movie now and do this, make the same mistakes, then then sure, then you can get on him about it. But if you grow and change and evolve as as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, as a comedian, <laughs> um, then then good on you, you know. And maybe us as an audience, you know, that we're, we're evolving too as an audience. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I think I didn't even make a point. In what no, I, just said, I think but, you. I think I you hope, did. I hope there was a point in there somewhere. Yeah, no, I I think you did. In that, it's true. We are we're navigating this new kind of social consciousness for sure, and that's really you know what I what I also wanted to kind of touch upon about that scene is like back then, part of that was peak comedy, and like we can realize that now that maybe it's not. And maybe we could have used other words, but we also have to acknowledge that at the time, 
it was a different landscape of social consciousness. Absolutely. And I think you're yeah. right. I think Zach Braff has made several other films that I think do show that he's grown and he has a definite style and tone about how he writes and directs and acts in those things, but it's, it's different than garden state. So yeah, not to say that garden state is bad because I enjoyed it immensely. No, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is it's, it's also like, you can't, you can't bring it into the here and now, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it is a product of its time. I mean, I, I could do pull-ups back then, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, it was a long time ago. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's crazy. Cause I remember when it came out and I was, you know, decently young at the time. And I was like, Oh mom, it's called garden state. And she's like, yeah, you can't watch that yet. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, yeah, you just you just want to see artists try out different things and sort of grow. And I didn't, you know, I didn't. For example, uh, a good example of this, and I'm maybe I'll get in trouble for this. Maybe I, I probably won't. <laughs> okay. Like watching uh, in the Irishman. I think uh, was that the oh, the, mm-hmm. the Scorsese. The Scorsese, mm-hmm. which a lot of it is fantastic. I'm not trying to. But there, there were a couple of moments where I was like, why is 75-year-old Robert De Niro kicking the shit out of some guy on the sidewalk? Like, I just don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, he's 75. Like, I, I want to see Robert De Niro be 75. Like, I already saw him be a gangster. Right. And be a total badass in his 40s and 50s, you know? Yeah. And now I want to see him, like, I, what, what is, what now? Like, he, 20 years later, I bet he's got even more interesting things to say. Um. And so I don't know. That's what I'm saying is yeah. I like seeing people change. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, agreed for sure. And I mean, I will also say, I mean, watching the Irishman, knowing that like I've seen De Niro and Taxi Driver, it's just not the same experience of like that intensity just isn't there anymore. And he's great, but it's, it's yeah, different. But I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's, <laughs> That intensity is there in a different way. Yes. So you can't just keep expressing it in the same way that you did back then. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? What am I doing? I'm talking <laughs> shit about Robert. <laughs> he's listen. He's 25 <laughs> times better than me as an actor. That's not. That's not the issue. He's writing his lawyer right you now. Know I already saying. know it. I, you yes. know what I'm saying. I mean, it it feels like we're getting kind of close to the end of our discussion. Um, And I know you have a uh, (laughs) seven-year-old who I'm sure you probably want to get back to. But is there anything else that, you know, we can say about this movie? Because I feel like we've done a pretty good job talking about the the key things. Um, Well, no, I mean, I, I, I wonder just... If young people would resonate with it now, I don't, you know what I mean? That That's really be, the, the thing that I'd be curious about is mm-hmm. like, I wonder if a 16 year old or, a, or an 18 year old, if it works now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, yeah. so not just as a nostalgia piece for someone who either lived through the aughts and just wants to like, oh, I remember those days when right. I was, <laughs> you know, um, but I wonder if there's a universality about it that can still, you know, strike those chords anew in people, in the people that the film in a way was kind of designed to hit. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm you know, th- that's something that neither you or I could answer, I guess. I mean, I guess we, we, we would have to, to, to find some 16 year olds to test it on. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm 28 as of recording this and it definitely hits a chord. And one of my notes was like, ah, to be 26 and lost in life. And it's like, that was two years ago for me, but I know (laughs) I remember, (laughs) but I mean, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely, especially my generation of just, there's that period of time where we're all, I think, kind of feeling like what's next. And I think a lot of my friends still kind of feel that way. So for me, I'm like, ah, yeah. It never ends. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of the movie. Oh, no. Let go. Oh, Let no. go. <laughs> they sing it in the end. The answer's <laughs> hidden there. What now? It's hidden in the soundtrack. <laughs> Which also amazing soundtrack in this film. Just The to- best. Just to comment real quick. <laughs> yeah. I think the soundtrack is on point. Oh, yes. I mean, still, right? Still. It's a bop. Okay, good. It's a jam. Good. I'm glad I'm... No good. cap, as the kids say. I don't... <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, that's a thing. No cap. No cap? Yeah. Like, I mean, for real. No cap. Okay, that makes sense. I, <laughs> I'm hip with the kids. I don't know. <laughs> Good. I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I think that feels like a good stopping point. We're out of okay, touch. good. It's I fine. think we hit it. I think I think we talked about depression and, yes, and yes. drugs <laughs> and all those things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, thank you. Sorry. No gap. Thank you for coming on to the show. And talking about this film, you're welcome back anytime. If you want to come back and talk about Once, I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about it. Oh, man. Right, I'm going to put you on to some movies. I'm going to put you on to some Argentinian movies. Ooh. Ooh, love that. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah let's, let, let's set it up. And I mean, if right. we can talk a little bit after we're, we're done recording. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I mean, where can people find you? What are you doing? Where is your um, movie? All those things. Yeah, my uh, okay. So yeah, my, you can find me on on Instagram, and um, I'll be on. Let's see what what's next. I'm on the Equalizer. This show on. Ooh. I get yeah. I you know I I've ended up being a guy that gets shot in warehouses <laughs> on TV shows every so often. Is that not what you dreamed uh, of all this time? Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> listen. That's the thing. That's why you gotta let go. Um, uh, the movie that I that I wrote and produced called Seneca is on. Um, it's on HBO max. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little, it's a little film. You should watch it and be, be kind. <laughs> um, and, and that's, you know, that's essentially it. I'm, I'm writing another movie with my partner, uh, Jason Chayot. Uh, and it's a Puerto Rican Christmas family movie. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm doing the thing. I'm, I'm like. Yeah, F- follow me on Instagram, and I'll, I'll I'll keep you posted on what I'm doing. Love that. Well, we'll be sure to tag you on our on our Instagram, and uh, and yeah, just thank you so so much. This was honestly really really fun. 
<laughs> Good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Another huge thank you to Armando Riesco for coming on the show and talking about a favorite film of his, Garden State. Now, this was honestly so much fun, and I am so, so excited to explore some Argentinian film. Of course, as he said uh, in the interview, his film Seneca is on HBO Max right now, so you can go ahead and watch it. Uh, It is on my list for tonight, so I will be sure to let you know on Instagram my thoughts on it. But after speaking with Armando, I think I'm going to love it. <laughs> and since you are, you know, looking at, you know, my thoughts on on his film and and the Instagrams and things, um, you can follow us on Instagram at scopeofelia underscore podcast. Uh, additionally, we do have a TikTok page as well. It is at scopeofelia the podcast. Um, and because you're on the internet, you might as well rate, review, and subscribe to the show because it always helps us out a lot. And I love hearing from you guys. And since you're out on the world wide web as uh, as they used to call it now it's just the net even even if they call it that now i i don't know what they call it now the internet uh since you're already out there you might as well you know spread the news about scopophilia tell your friends and your family and your family of friends and your friends of family about us because we want to keep the conversation going and uh and like i keep saying you know we love talking to each other i love talking to you all of those good things. And lastly, of course, if you want to support the show, we do have merchandise that you can purchase. Uh, The link is in our Instagram bio, or you can head over to ncpodcasts.com slash scopophilia. We have hats, we have tote bags, and we have t-shirts. The t-shirts are so soft and comfortable. I wear mine around the house and out to the grocery store all of the time so that people can ask me what my shirt is about and then I can tell them. and, And that's how we keep this thing going. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, here leading the millennial movie movement on Scopophilia. And I'll see you all next Friday. Bye.